All right, so today we are talking about our identity, who we are as a church, okay? It's important that we dive back into this, this, this important topic over the next four weeks. And so I want to start with a story. Eight years ago, eight years ago, God brought a small group of people together, driven by a passion to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. These people had no idea how to do that, but what they did know is what they'd done in the past wasn't working. What was driving them so strongly was the knowledge that 90% of the people in Floyd County don't go to church. And that statistic is still accurate in eight years later, in 2021. That's around, there's around 35,000 people in Floyd County, nearly 100 churches in Floyd County. There's literally 14 churches. Hear me on this. If you came in from US 23 into this place today, there's 14 churches from the beginning of Water Gap Road until you reach Jenny Wiley State Park. 14 churches. That's almost unreal, isn't it? That's, there's around 31,500 people in Floyd County that are not in a church today. And likely don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, that knowledge can change a person. And let me tell you why. Well, I'll get into it. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But this group of people came together and they started asking themselves, how could this be? How can there be over 100 churches in Floyd County, 14 churches on this stretch of road, and yet... 90% of the people still don't attend church. And here's what they knew. They knew they had to be different. Not for the sake of being different, but because if those 31,500 people wanted to be a part of a church in the area, they would have done that by now. So what are we doing to reach the 31,500 people that are not currently in church? And that's, that was the driving question behind this group of people. With that desire and that passion in mind, these questions led these folks to want to witness and minister to their co-workers and their aunts and their uncles and the cashier at Walmart and the servers at Billy Raisin. The church was born, this church was born from a desire to reach the unchurched, the disenfranchised, the overchurched, the outcasts, those that don't fit into society, and anyone else that wanted to join in expanding the kingdom of God in Floyd County. This is who we are. And this is why we exist. We spent nearly three years as a mobile church. And I'm so thankful for those three years because those three years, you know what it taught us? The church is not a building, amen? We, look around, are the church. And so in those three years, we came in, we had this big black trailer that we would bring in and that we pulled along behind and, and we would bring in all of our equipment that set it up every single Sunday and see the Lord move in amazing ways. And then we would put all back, pack all that equipment back up and, and take it back. And on Wednesday nights, we would get together in life groups at the Senior Citizens Building. So amazing. So humbled by what was God was doing in those days. Three years we spent as a mobile church. In 2015, 
God brought us to 1674 Water Gap Road to this warehouse. This dirty, filthy, smelly warehouse. Anybody that was ever in here before this became the church, you're going to know what it looked like and what it smelled like. Most people looked at this warehouse and they saw useless junk. But God looked at this warehouse and he saw potential. God took this run-down warehouse and turned it into a sanctuary for the broken, the outcast, the hurting, and the weak. And we as this church want the same thing for people today. Kind of crazy, isn't it, how that works? This place has been transformed into a sanctuary for God. This dirty, filthy, smelly, unorganized warehouse is now a sanctuary where people meet Jesus. That's what he wants to do in your life as well. And that's what we want to do as the church. We want to see people who are broken find wholeness. We want to see those that are addicted find life in Christ. We want to see marriages restored and families put back together and singles that have given their lives to the work of the gospel and God's kingdom. We believe that this kind of transformation comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ first and relationships with others second. A community of believers. Therefore... We at this church believe that we exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. This is our identity. This is what God has called us to. I'm thankful that you're part of that today. We're going to break this statement down. This is what God has called us to. This is our mission, if you want to call it that. If you want to call it a vision. Whatever you want to call it. We call it our exist statement. This is why we exist. You see, God called us from many different walks and many different churches and many different walks of life to this exact moment for this exact purpose so that we could exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. I'm going to break that down for you. The first part of that says we exist so that more people. We exist so that more people. More people, guys, that's a straight up reflection of the Great Commission. Straight up reflection of the Great Commission. When Jesus said this himself, before he ascended back into heaven, after his work, his ministry here on earth was done or complete, he had something, some departing words for us. And here's what he said. Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But that's not all. Not just to baptize people and bring them into the family of God. He, said, he then goes on to say, teach them. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. So our job's not done just by telling folks about Jesus. He says, teach them as well. Teach them all that I've commanded you and be sure of this. He encourages us. Be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Guys, that is the Great Commission. I don't care who you are, what church you belong to, how long you've been a Christian. You're called to that. To go and make disciples of all nations. Sometimes we delegate going and making disciples of all nations to different teams or different committees in our churches. 
Say, oh, I'm glad you're doing that. I really don't have time for that. Guess what? It's not an option. It's for all of us. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, we are called to make disciples. Period. Period. I'm not letting you off the hook on that one. Jesus called us all. He gave us this command before he ascended into heaven to go and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to listen to what Jesus said, and we're supposed to do what he told us to do. It's pretty simple, right? We are called to make disciples. We are called to be disciples first. And then we're called to make disciples of other people. And guess what? Those disciples are called to make other disciples. And then those disciples are called to make other disciples after that. That's how we affect change for the kingdom of God. That's how we put a dent in the 90%. By making disciples. Making disciples. We exist so that more people, more people become disciples and more people invest in others and create other disciples. That's the way it works. The next part of that is we exist so that more people experience transforming or transformation. We exist so that more people ex experience transformation. And you're thinking, what in the world does that mean? That's a pretty churchy term, isn't it? I don't mean for it to be a churchy term, but here's the reality. We all need to be transformed from something to something. I don't care where you are in your life. Nobody's arrived at the plateau and said, oh, here I am. I don't sin anymore. I'm all good, pastor. Don't worry about me. That's not us. And if that's you, this church is not for perfect people. Sorry. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. We're not for perfect people. If you don't sin and you don't do anything wrong, probably not the best place for you. Apologize. Um, we exist so that more people experience transformation. What does it mean to experience transformation? Listen, we're all going to be able to relate to this because it's, all, it's just another word for freedom. We exist so that we can be freed from something to something. We're all about freedom and realness here at this church. That means that we're, we try really hard not to hide behind our masks. You're, as a pastor, you're never going to see me up here saying that I never sinned. You're never going to see me up front saying that, that I don't struggle with sin anymore because I'm sorry I do. And I'm not going to get rid of that struggle until I reach the other side someday. But I'm always going to deal with that struggle. And so I want you to know that you're always going to deal with that struggle as well. I don't care where you're at in your walk with Christ, you're going to struggle with sin. Don't hide it. Embrace it. Why? Because until you recognize it and you call it for what it is, God won't transform you. If you don't have anything to be transformed from, right? We call it what it is. We all need to be transformed from something to something. Many of us struggle with, 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 with things in this life. Some struggle with addictions. Some struggle with alcoholism. Some struggle with overeating. Some struggle with all these things. Here's some that are socially acceptable. Did you know that we accept some sins in the church as well? We probably don't mean to, but it happens, right? So there are some things that we're all just kind of like, everybody does that, Pastor. Why are you calling us out? Like, there's no reason to talk about that. But here are some things that are socially acceptable. Even in the church, for some of us, we need to be transformed from being judgmental. For some of us, we need to be transformed from gossiping. Did you know that was a sin? I'm sorry, I'm being too hard, aren't I? We need to be transformed from those things. We don't need to be judgmental. We don't need to be gossiping about people. We don't need to be doing those things. Some people are struggling with the addiction of being addicted to pornography. And it seems like that's so culturally acceptable today. These things are killing our marriages. These things are tearing our families apart. 
Some of us struggle with being so political that we can't see Jesus outside of politics. We need to be transformed from those things. We, none of us have arrived. We need to be transformed. Some of us need to be set free from the desire to be accepted and loved by everyone. Woo, stepping on some toes, right? My own included. Sorry, my entire life, I've always had this, this weird desire inside of me. When someone's mad at me, I can't, I mean, it literally, it's hard to breathe sometimes when I know someone's upset with me because I want to be accepted by so, so many people. I've had some freedom in that area, but I've really struggled in that area as well. We need to be set free from those things. Many of us need to be transformed from our pride and our envy. Many of us need to be transformed from other things. None of us have it all together. We're all in need of transformation. And Paul says it best. Paul says it best. He says, so, here's what Paul says. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Right? He says, the sinful nature wants you to do evil. Which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants for you. The Spirit gives you the desire that, that the, the, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. You ever seen it like this? You've seen it depicted on little cartoons and things. You've got an angel on one side and a devil on the other, right? That's what it feels like sometimes. Because your, your body, your mind, your heart, everything's always in constant flux because you're always struggling with sinful desire. And if you're a Christian, you're struggling with the desires of the Holy Spirit to do right and to do good. Sinful desires and what the Holy Spirit desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Paul goes on to say, when you follow the desires of the sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like that. And he goes on to say, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like you need to know those things. You need to understand that when you follow the sinful desires, that's what they lead to. These are some of the things that we need to be freed from. These are some of the things that we need to be transformed from. I'm not saying, I'm not calling you out today saying that if you struggle with these things, maybe I just called out one of your sins and if you struggle with those, guess what? You're welcome in this building today. Guess what? You're always welcome at this church. Because we accept you for who you are. Because we all need to be transformed from something to something else. And no sin is greater than any other sin. Don't sit around thinking, oh, I just gossip. I'm not addicted to drugs, so I'm better than that guy. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's all there is to it. We all need to be transformed from something to something else. But you know what Paul's saying? He's saying all these things over here that he just mentioned, there's no hope in those things. There's no life in those things. You know what Jesus came to do? He came to give us life and give us life to the fullest. And so Paul is saying, don't stay on those crazy things. You may think those things bring you pleasure and goodness and happiness and all that, but they don't. They lead to death. You need to be transformed to something else. And here's what Paul says that we need to be transformed to. He says the Holy Spirit produces fruit. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. Love, joy. Some of you all need joy in your lives. Literally, you walk around like you're eating a lemon 90% of the time. 
How are the 90% of the people in Floyd County like, I want what she has, but I don't want to look like that all the time. They're not going to do that. We need joy. We need peace. We need patience. I don't know about you, but I need more patience. Kindness. Wow, there's one. Did you know that was in the Bible? We're supposed to be kind with each other. It's crazy, right? I won't get on social media. Sorry. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Have you ever been known as being gentle? You think that's a girly thing, guys? You don't want to be known as being gentle? Guess what? Paul says that's a product of the Holy Spirit. My goodness, I would love to be known as a product of the Holy Spirit. Self-control. I'm 99% sure that everyone in this room and anyone watching online needs more self-control. Don't post that tweet. Don't, don't comment on that Facebook status. Don't eat that thing. Just go back into the bedroom. Don't eat this late. That's mine. I'm sorry. I'm projecting. <laughs> That's what happens, right? We need more self-control. We need more self-control. God loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us in our pride. He loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us in our anger or our envy or our gossiping or our lack of self-control. He transforms us into his image. He helps us to throw off the junk that only hurts us and clothes us with joy and love and peace and patience and gentleness and self-control, love, all those things. He transforms us from death to life. Amen? Amen. Just like he did in this warehouse. God took this warehouse and he turned it from death to life for years before we got into this place. For years before we got into here, there was nothing going on in this building. Nothing at all. Death. Nothing. There's a lot of dead rats. And th- not rats. I'm sorry, not rats. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little dramatic here. There's a lot of dead things when we came into this building. And he changed it. He transformed us from death to life. And guess what? He wants to do the same thing in your life today. He wants to transform you from death to life. We're all in need of transformation. And maybe you've been transformed from your addictions. Praise God, since we've been in this building, we've seen people transform from their addictions. Amen? Amen. We've seen people that have come from death to life. We've seen all those things happen. But guess what? Just because you come out of one sin doesn't mean that you're finished with all sins. We all still need to be transformed from something to something else. All of us. There's no one better. We've never arrived We're a constant work in progress. You, me, all of us. And those that are far from God, the 90%, guess what? They're struggling with the same things. Same things you and I are struggling with, they're struggling with as well. And guess what? If God frees you or he transforms you from one thing to another, guess what? You become or you have the ability to become a lighthouse to the 90%. And guess what? Those 90% look at you and they're like, wow, there's something different about her. There's something different about him. I want that too. I want what they have. And that's how we affect the 90% by the way we live our lives. But guess what? If they see you out gossiping about people all the time, they see you with a sour look on your face, or they see you doing something outside of church on Sunday mornings and just what, whatever, I'm being too hard. Lord, help me. Whatever they see, do they want that? If God has changed you and God has transformed you, Let's show the world. 
because 90%, 31,500 people in Floyd County today are not in church. We need them to be here so that we can share the love of Jesus with them. And it's not just inside the building. We're not a church that believes that just come to me and everything's going to be fine. We need to get ourselves outside of this building desperately. And I'm thankful. I'm hoping that COVID, I'm hoping and praying to God that we see the end of COVID soon so that we can get back out in our communities and do what God has called us to do. So anyway, we know that we need transformation, but it's difficult. Transformation is difficult. I'll be the first to tell you. How do we reach that transformation and how do we maintain it better yet? How do we maintain that transformed life? Well, guess what? Our, our, the why we exist statement, what God has called us to at this church, we exist so that more people experience transforming relationships. We believe the key to, to, to transformation and maintaining that transformation is found in relationships. Relationships. The writer, we believe, the writer of Ecclesiastes says it best. It says this, two people are better off than one. For they can help each other out. They can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, that person's in real trouble. The writer goes on to say, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better than that. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Guess what, folks? We're better when we're together. And you know what? I'm just, I'm just throwing it all out. I'm sorry. Forgive me. We are so clannish in eastern Kentucky. We are so clannish that we only care about our immediate family. Everybody else, sorry for your luck. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you're not from around here, I apologize on behalf of all of us. What I've realized in the eight years of being at this church is that we're just so clannish that we don't let anybody else in. And so it's really hard, especially if you don't have a big family. I'm blessed with a big family. We have, we have so many of us. There's so many people in my family. My parents both had lots of, of brothers and sisters, so we have a huge family. Those are the people that probably know me the best because we are so clannish and, and closed off. But the writer goes on to say two people are better than one, and then three are even better than that. I didn't understand this. I didn't understand what it meant to be in a relationship until my wonderful wife came along. And so in Taylor, I understood because Taylor loves me in spite of me, right? She loved husbands. You under, you get that. You get that. Your wives love you in spite of you many times. And I'm thankful for that. But guess what? The relationships that I'm talking about are just, um, it's just so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. Singles, if you're in the room today, you're like, I understand, Pastor, but, but it's, not, it's not really about me because I don't have a husband, I don't have a wife. Guess what? It's okay because all my single folks, it's important to surround yourselves with healthy relationships, not just companionship, healthy relationships, friends that will encourage you when you need to be lifted up, friends that's going to call you out when you do things that are crazy and just out of character. You need people in your life to call you out. Healthy, encouraging relationships have a way of transforming us into something far greater than we could ever be on our own. We are starting groups back at this church. And I am so excited. Listen, I'm telling you all today, this is your personal invitation. If you've never done groups here at this church before, today is your personal invitation from the pastor. And I'm looking around the rooms. I see all your faces. I'm going to remember every single one of you. I want you to fill this out today, okay? Okay. 
If you didn't have it in your seat, find a seat that has one in it. But this little paper tells you about groups at, at this church. And I want you to fill out this information, or you can text the word GROW. It sets it on the paper. Text the word GROW to 606-268-4886, and you can digitally fill this out. Guys, this Sunday morning is not, just, it's not for discipleship. I'm about ready to blow your mind, okay? If you came here thinking, I'm going to come in today and get fed so that I can go back out into the world for the rest of the week, you're going to be malnourished pretty quick. Because that's, that's not what Sunday morning is for. If you glean something from the message that you can apply to your life, that's my hope. Absolutely. But you need more than that. You need more than that. This at Rich Point Church, this is our strategy. This is how we disciple people, getting them into groups. So if you want to be a part of what God is doing here, join a group. Starting on August the 18th. 6 o'clock in the evening, 6 to 7.30. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have some food. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do life with each other. We're going to help each other because two are better than one. And as a matter of fact, three are even better than that. Be with us, please. Text that, text that word, grow to 268-4886 or fill this out and you can drop it off. At the end of the day, you can either drop it off in the offering or someone's going to be back out at the front desk there and you can drop it off to them. So, I encourage you to be a part of that. Relationships with each other are, what's, are, are what we call horizontal relationships, right? Relationships with each other. But you know what? The most important relationship that we believe in that transforms us is that vertical relationship with God. Our relationship with the Father is truly what transforms us the most. Our relationships with each other are important and they're the second step, but the first step is the relationship with the Father. We could have a relationship with the Father because of the Son, Jesus Christ. We can have a relationship with God the Father who loves us so much because of the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He is the one that is perfect. He is the one that could come to this church because He is perfect. He's the one. And so because He came and the work that He did, He took on your sin and my sin. He went to the cross he died in our place. He died the death that you and I deserve, but he did it in our place. And because of that, you and I can have a relationship with God the Father. Today, Jesus said this. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, If you love me, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you an advocate who will never leave you. That means that he's going to put someone in relationship with you. Right? And you know who that advocate is? Jesus goes on to say, He is the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, when you ask Jesus to save you, He comes into your life. And that advocate is the Holy Spirit that now lives inside of you. You become the temple of God because of the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The world could not receive Him because it wasn't looking for Him. He also said, who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him but because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives within you now. <coughs> Excuse me. And later will be in you. I have a drink right there. You care to get it? Soon the world would no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will live also. Guys, those are important promises from Jesus. They're incredible promises. The words from Jesus said, he describes a beautiful relationship. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to send you help. I'm going to be with you, even in you. I'm going to be closer than anyone else in your life. You won't ever be left alone. 
because I live, you also will live. Thank God for the relationship that those of us that have caught upon his name already, thank God for that relationship. The end of our exist statement, and I want to invite the, the worship folks to come. The end of our exist statement says, we exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. Transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. We exist, we believe that people can change and transform into who God created them to be. We exist because we want to bring hope, the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. We want to bring that hope to our aunts and our uncles and our co-workers and the folks that are serving us today whenever we go out to eat or the person that, that's the cashier at Walmart or at Big Lots or wherever that may be. We want that person to have the hope that we have found in Jesus Christ. We exist to bring freedom uh, from the things that are destroying so many families and so many relationships. We exist to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. Check this out. When Apple, I don't know, I, I don't know about you guys. I have, an, I have an Apple device. I have an iPhone. I'm sold into the cult and all that jazz. Okay? Um, so that's what happens, you know, when you... Anyway, sorry. That was probably inappropriate. But when Apple wants to hire someone, Apple is known as one of the best employers or, you know, one of the greatest companies of all and all that jazz. But when Apple wants to hire someone to come work for them, they first identify the top talent in the world in the area that they're needing to hire. And then when they approach that person, how do you think that Apple offers them the job? They don't do it by offering them a substantial salary increase. They don't do it by offering them great benefits or a fantastic work environment, although all those things are true when you work for Apple. Apple offers them the job by saying this, the world is rapidly changing. Apple is an integral part of that change. Come work for us and let's change the world. That's how Apple offers someone to come work for them. They're not interested in people who only want to focus on money. What can you do for me? They're not interested in people who only want the benefits or, or the nice work environment. They want these people the people who want to help them change the world. And so today, I want to tell you very, very plainly, our world needs changing. Our county needs changing. 31,500 people are far from God. Likely a lot more. But at least 90% that we know of are far from God. And they need freedom. They need love. They need non-judgmental people to care about them enough to share the gospel with them and to invite them to church. They need transforming relationships. And so I'm asking you today, are you ready to change the world? Are you ready to change Floyd County? Because it starts with us. Back to my story in the beginning. This group of people came together over eight years ago. And they planted this church. When the world came to a halt in 2020, we had some extra time on our hands, like many of you. And so we started coming back together. Our leadership started coming together. And they started asking the question, 
Are we doing what we were called to do? Are we reaching the 90% of people in Floyd County that don't currently attend church? Are we meeting the mark that you've given to us, God? And I want to tell you today that after many conversations, after a lot of prayer, after a lot of consideration, we realized that we needed to refocus. We weren't hitting the mark. We weren't doing exactly what God had called us to do. And so we needed to refocus. This area has changed since we planted this church. Post-COVID is a different world altogether. So things had changed and we needed to prepare to change ourselves. And so we started praying to God, how can we reach the 90% today? How can we reach them today? What can we do? We want our friends. We want our families. We want our co-workers. We want the people that we see out in public today that are far from God. We want them to be full of life in Christ. How can we do that, God? Nothing else matters. You see how this, this warehouse was transformed? That's what we want to see in other people. That's all that matters to us. It's to see people transformed for Christ. We want our friends and families to experience it too. And so here's what we did. We put everything on the table. We put everything on the table and said, you know what? If it doesn't help us reach more people for Christ, it's gone. It's gone. Because nothing else matters. If it doesn't help us, we put our services, we put our ministries, we put our leadership structure, we put our bylaws, we even put our name of our church on the table and said, if it doesn't help us reach other people for Christ, we don't want it. It's gone. Because that's all that matters. It's to see people transformed. Transformation. Transformational relationships. We want to be fiercely focused on reaching the 31,500 people in Floyd County that don't know you, God. So help us. Show us. Strip away the kingdoms that we've built. Strip away all the junk that we put in place and let us be focused on you. And listen, folks, I want to tell you today that a lot of positive change, a lot of positive of, of progression in this church has come from those meetings, from that time alone with God and with each other. God moved our hearts. He's led us to the statement that now dictates and directs everything that we say and do. We exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. If it doesn't help us do that, we don't do it. Because this is what we're about. This is our identity. It led us to our five core values that I'm going to talk about, that I've talked about before, but I'm going to continue talking about them over the next two weeks. It led us to how are we going to behave in the in the in the community so that people know who we are, so that people know why we exist. He led us to evaluate the way that the 90% see us in the public because that matters. It led us to, to consider changing our name so that we see, we know that people, when they see us, even our name, when they see us, it says, welcome, come as you are. There are no hindrances, no blocks or barriers for you to have to cross. Come as you are. All of that's on the table, and it's still on the table. It's still on the table. Tear it all down, God. This is my heart. If you want to know my heart, this is it. Tear it all down, God. Tear it all down and transform us into people that care about nothing more than sharing your love with the community that you've called us to. That's my heart. Tear it all down.
And that's the heart of this church. He's not finished yet. There are still things that he's ripping out. There are still things that he's changing. And we as a church, we're still being transformed. There's a... As we were talking to the Lord, I'm going to share one more verse and I'm done. I'm sorry. I went way long, but it is what it is. Welcome to this church. One verse of scripture I want to share with you really quick. It says, this is Isaiah. And this is one of the scripture that came to our hearts when we were going through this, this phase of reimagining or refocusing what God had called us to do. And this verse came out. It says, forget all that. Forget all those things in the past. Because it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. This is the book of Isaiah. He said, for I'm about to do something new. This is God. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Can't you see it? I'm already doing something amazing and new. And he said, I'm going to make a pathway through the wilderness. And I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. That's what I want in this church. And I hope you want that too. God's saying, I'm doing something new in your church. In my church. I'm doing something new because all that matters, it don't matter about the chairs that you sit in. It don't matter about what color the carpet is. It don't matter about the environment. It don't matter about anything other than seeing people transform for Jesus Christ. That's our heart. All the rest, you can tear it down. Tear it down. That's our heart. Do something new, God. Do something new. Help us reach 31,500 people in this community that are far from you. Do something new. So I'm asking you, over the next couple weeks, we're going to continue this discussion. We're going to talk about what God has called us to. We're going to talk about all the cool things that, that, that God is leading us to do as a leadership. And I'm excited for that. So be here next week and the week after. You don't want to miss this. Most of all, today, more than ever, is that vertical relationship. I want to call you back to that vertical relationship. How are you in the Lord? How are you in God? You have a relationship with God because that vertical relationship means far more than any horizontal relationship that you could ever have. At this church, we exist so that more people experience transformation through Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? Father God, I pray today that you would um, have your way with us. God, that you would do a new thing inside of us. That each individual that's here in this room or anyone that's watching online, God, do a new thing in us. To bring us to a point to where we are focused solely on seeing transformation. In ourselves and in everyone around us, God. Do a new thing. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this building, this dirty warehouse that you transformed into a sanctuary. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, draw them into salvation and into a relationship with you today. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's sing together.